We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Guys, finding a nice suit for a good price is tough. That's why I roll with Indochino. Great custom suits that are affordable. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure men's warehouse. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurement for a great fit. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customization, submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. The Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. This is an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And this episode is brought to you by ShipStation, Indochino, and Harry's Razors. But, Jack, what's up? Just a quarter of the way through. Oh, well, a few games. It's, you can't put 82 games into quarters. We couldn't do this podcast after 20.5 games. So we're 22 games in now, 23 games in. Let's do it. Yeah, Nets are 12 and 10, two games over 500. Things are turned around. And what we're going to do today is kind of dive into each player and give them a player grade. Before we do that, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and bluewirepods.com. But Jack, we're going to start with the main man, and that's Kyrie Irving. Obviously, he's missed the last 10 games, but let's talk a little bit of what we have seen from him in the 11 games he's played. Oh, he's just a dazzling offensive player, Nick. And I think that we all know that. We've all seen that before, time and time again. So, uh, and he's a one-man highlight reel. Put him on house of highlights on a nightly basis. The three ball has been a, a little bit lesser, but I think that those were from the games where the shoulder injury was starting to really have an effect. You know, he's getting to the line a lot more. You know, his field goal percentage and he field goal percentage are amazing, but he's shooting the ball incredibly well from the free throw line. You know, he's rebounding quite well. I think he's passing the ball quite well in terms of his assist numbers. I think for the most part, I would say he's above average defensively, but then there's also times where he can get put in the pick and roll a few times and the Nets sort of, uh, as a defensive team, that's their sort of weakness and he's going to control the ball. He doesn't have a heap of turnovers either. So I think overall, uh, a good season from Kyrie Irving. Yeah, you've seen the offensive pop. Like you said, it was a highlight every quarter, if not more. And you saw the shooting numbers kind of start to drop as soon as you heard about that shoulder injury. And we hinted at it on the buzz a lot with the shots being short. But overall, you got to be happy for a guy coming to a new team, putting up 28 points per game. And as the season progresses, he's going to get more comfortable with himself in the system, but also with his teammates. What would you give him for his letter grade? I'm going to give him a B plus. 
I think the, the key thing for him is what you just hinted at there, Nick, how he's going to integrate himself, how Coach Kenny, and I've said this time and time again, Coach Kenny and, you know, Nolan mentioned on the, the recap of the Hornets as well. He's finding, you know, everything quite easy. Not necessarily easy, but he's comfortable, you know, with the guys, the, the less superstars on it because it's just he's something he's used to. Whereas integrating Kyrie Irving and still getting the most out of Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen, finding looks for them, knowing how to integrate Kyrie Irving's skill set and then Karis DeVert, how he does the rotations there. So, yeah, Kyrie Irving, I'm, I'm going to give the, the man a B plus. I'm going to roll with the B plus two for a lot of the reasons you said, getting more comfortable. And I think the defense, like you said, has been inconsistent. At times we've seen solid defense. Other times it's been kind of lazy or just not there. And then offensively, you would have probably liked to see him just probably get his teammates involved a little bit more and pass up some of those pull-up threes in transition or whatever it may be. But moving on to your guy, Joe Harris. Now try not to be biased. What have you liked from, from Joe so far this season? Obviously, 14 points, 48% from the field, and 43% from three, almost 44%, probably at 44 after tonight's game. Oh, man. Joe Harris is... Joe, uh, man, there's enough. There's no more superlatives I can use. I need to get a thesaurus and have it next to me every single time I do a Brooklyn buzz when we speak about Joe Harris because I need to find new adjectives to describe him. But, but, but in all seriousness, I think he's taken a step above from last season in terms of like a lot of our players, you know, Jared Allen and others that we'll get to, in terms of his confidence and ability to take bad shots and make them good shots. That's one thing we spoke about in the season preview, Paul, where I'm like, we want him to jack up those shots. We want him to have, you know, 15 three-pointers a night. Obviously, that's not really going to happen, and he's averaging, you know, six and a half almost. You know, I want that number to get to 10. You know, when he's, he's putting those shots up, for the most part, you know, I think he's had maybe... I remember at the start of the season, we are like, oh, Joe Harris is looking a bit... bitch. He's going through a slump, and it was like, two games and then he's now he's you know eighth active of all time apparently according to Nets Daily who retweeted my tweet and I think his passing game is really good you know I think you've tweeted out a lot of them you know the lefty little lasers he's more comfortable putting the ball on the floor we know how good of a driver he is and he shows effort defensively you know there's not much not to like about Joe Harris you know if you if you dislike Joe Harris then you are a a, a hater of love Jack dislikes you most likely uh, I think the point you noted that he has improved. I think he looks a lot more comfortable with the ball. We saw him kind of explore that at the end of last season, improve as a passer. This year, he's making less turnovers, and he just is making the right pass or passing it out, not trying to force things. And he's almost playing his role to a T. I'm not sure if Joe Harris can actually play much better or you know we can expect more out of him. So what would that grade be? Uh, I think it's an A. I'm not going to yeah. give an A+, plus because uh, I think – as a general teacher vibe thing, I'm, 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 you can never be perfect. You, if you're Joe Harris, you get, you get damn close, <laughs> but, but you can't be perfect. So it's, it's an A for Joe, and I think the game that sticks out for me was the Chicago game where he had the eight assists, and the three ball wasn't necessarily falling, but you know, Point Joe was just a, another marvel and just adding dimensions to his game that you know I don't think many people knew he had, and probably he didn't know he had coming into the NBA. Just a really confident player, and. You know, the, the development staff, including Coach Kenny, everything else, have just gotten so much out of him. And he's so important to this team. So damn important. And you mentioned that Chicago game, one of the best games of his career from an overall perspective. I think you have to go with a, uh, an A here because, like I mentioned, I'm not sure there's much more things Joe can do for this team other than maybe, you know, just improve some of the small details. So right now... Out of most of the guys on this team, you're most happy with Joe. But on to my guy, Karis LeVert, who's still out with injuries, only played nine games this season. What did you see from him so far? The positive thing that stuck out for me, Nick, is that three ball looks nice. That three mm. ball looks nice. He's 36.1% from there uh, on four attempts. And he looks confident from there. He's not shying away from taking those shots. And he's hit some big ones. You know, I think... Overall, I think he's still finding his identity within this book and net scheme. A lot of the times he can, I think his passing game not, hasn't necessarily taken a huge step back, but you know, four assists a game is still good. You know, 3.4 turnovers is probably a little bit too much in terms of when you're comparing to how many assists a game he is having. He's one of the net's most important and talented players, you know, signing that contract. He's, I think, not playing to his potential defensively yet either. But this is a good thing because he's still playing solid basketball on both ends of the floor. But he can be so much better. 
And obviously, hopefully after the injury, there are no you know ill effects after that, like we saw from him last season. Hopefully he comes back and he's fit and raring to go. And Coach Kenny finds the, the right system and, and right rotations for him to play in. But, you know, the three balls, what stuck out for, for me, you know, he's rebounding the ball quite well. I think that's another positive from him. But there are still ways to go for him to be the Karis Avert that I know you want him to be. Yeah, I think Karis' this season has been just strange in a sense, and he's just been out of rhythm, not being able to find the role correctly in the offense, where at times he was able to take over and have these big streaks and dominate a quarter, and then later in the game you would feel like he's not even there. So I think he's had a hard time adjusting, but positive to see that three-point shot at 36%. It was even a little higher, you know, a few games before he went out. And then the rebounding is nice. The assists are okay. I think he's improving as a passer. We're seeing a lot of the interior passes still. I think the next step for him is kind of improving as a perimeter passer, hitting those guys in those catch-and-shoot opportunities. And then, obviously, you want to get the turnovers down and the defense up. There's flashes of really good defense, and then it's just not consistent. So it's been an up-and-down season for Karras. So what would you grade him at? I'll give him a B or a C+. plus. I'll, I'll go a B because I've got to be a bit more rosy with my Brooklyn Nets guys. I went with a B minus here because I think even when he did play, the one thing that stuck out is you wanted to see that jump defensively. And we yeah. didn't really see that, you know, potential lockdown defender that we were hoping he would be. Now, moving on to another guy who has not missed any time. That's Torian Prince, who's been somewhat inconsistent. But over the last few games, he's really shined. He has really shined. And I think it started with that Atlanta Hawks game and, and tonight against Charlotte as well. He was he was great. You know, he, his three ball is just money. He is absolute flame from there, almost 41% uh, from there at, on seven attempts a game. You know, I'm incredibly comfortable and confident when he has the ball in his hand. It's when he's making two-point field goal attempts where it's just like, oh, okay, what's he going to do here? But I think he has found a bit of a rhythm and a bit of confidence in, in making those drives and making those kick-out passes, those passes down low to, to the bigs. Uh, and I think in terms of what we expected from him, I think it's, as advertised, if not better. I'm more pleased with what he's doing. I still think he has some ways to go, like Karras defensively too, but I think overall he's been pretty good there, but he has some real lapses, like some of these guys on the roster, that make him look worse than in terms of his overall defensive skill set. But I think it's been a really good season from him, and he's been an important part of this Brooklyn Nets team. You know, being our 3-and-D wing, you need one of those on any every roster, and he's been uh, the integral part of that. And I think with Torian, it's like you've mentioned the ups and the downs. It's like you see the room for improvement. Maybe going to the season, you expected to see him improve his game. But I think there's even more room for improvement than we initially anticipated, which is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time because you'd hope he'd be a more ready product. But knowing what the coaching staff has done with other guys, there's a lot of potential for Torian Prince to hit, especially seeing that passing game improve. And you love the 40% from three because when you have Joe Harris on the other side, it's going to be tough to defend those two, especially with the ball handlers like Kyrie, Karras, and Spence. I don't think one of them, both of them have had bad shooting nights at the same time. Yeah, it, at least from my memory, but and that just shows, like, because you know, last season when we were speaking about Alan Crabb or whatever, and it's just like, well, we want the Alan Crabb that we know he can be, but now we have two legit flame shooters from the perimeter, and if one of them's on, then hopefully the other one is on, as it was to, tonight to to an extent against the Charlotte Hornets, but if one of them isn't on, then you've still got the other one to lean on. And even if they're not on necessarily, they're going to find uh, some time and still find their shot and still have the confidence because mechanically they're as sound as ever and they have that confidence. 100%. And what it does is just stretch the defense thin. You know, you have each guy on different sides of the floor. Somewhere it's going to be weak, especially when guys are taking their, their defender off the dribble or running a pick and roll. So it's a luxury to have these two. But with that said, what's the grade for Prince? I'm going to give him a B plus. Uh, B. I'll, yeah, I'll give him a B. Even though I'm going to have Karis Averta B, I think the B minus that you said was probably a bit more reflective of it. So I'll give Toyin Prince a B, bordering on a B plus. Yeah, I feel like if I took in more recency bias, I'd probably go with a B plus. But we've yeah. seen the lapses and the things that have kind of irritated us. He's starting to correct those. So it's leaning more towards a B plus. But as of right now, it'd be a B. Now on to Spencer Dinwiddie who has been essentially, I guess you could say, the Nets' savior with Karis Avert and Kyrie Irving being down. And it's not the first time Spence has done this for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, he's done it time and time again for this team. 26 years old, and it seems like he just relishes the moment. You know, obviously, uh, he's been playing all-star caliber basketball. He's starting to get the kudos and credit that he deserves, even though some people will take the narrative and, and spin it to their own sort of way, where it's just like, oh, this team is better with Spencer Dillon. I'm just like... 
Bill Simmons just shut the hell up and just watch, continue watching Tommy Hines until. And just not to cut you off, Jack, but like the fact is, people say, "Oh, they're better without Kyrie Irving." Do you know who they're playing instead of Kyrie Irving? Just for the simple fact that Theo Pinson and John Musa have to get minutes because they have all these injuries, they're substantially worse without Kyrie Irving. If you want to like make some other type of argument, or if they for some reason had Karis Avert playing and they're playing better, okay, maybe I'll give you just the slightest time of day. But right now, I don't want to even hear a second of it. Put that on a soundbite, sir, and put it out there to promote this episode because I think uh, plenty of people could deserve to hear that because I think a lot of people wouldn't even know who Jana Musa and Theo Pinson are and the fact that they are getting minutes. But back to Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, I think he is playing really balanced and confident basketball, and I think the numbers aren't reflecting that in a lot of ways because he's being forced to do so much. I think the three ball is probably where it is at. I think he is a better shooter than those percentages. You know, he's he always has been an amazing driver and has really great footwork. I think defensively of late, He's been really important too, especially in games against Boston. So he's had he's been the, the Nets MVP with Kyrie Irving out overall through the season. You know, he's played every single game as well. So he's shown that health and that durability. He gets to the line plenty. You know, his passing game is back to not necessarily back to the assist to turnover ratio times, but his turnovers have been limited too. And I think that he's playing the most balanced, confident, productive basketball of his career. Yeah, it's Spencer, it's almost been a tale of two seasons. You know, not only just when, you know, Kyrie's been out, he kind of picked it up, and I want to say that Portland Trailblazers game on the road. But before that, he was really struggling. We were at a game against the Pacers where he was just completely out of sorts, trying to force it every play, had a a pass to the third row. So it was just like Spencer not beyond the finest rhythm. Now he's getting back to that level, getting comfortable. He looks really good out there, understanding what he needs to do and what he can do against the defense. It's been an adjustment period, I would say, over the last two or three games with defenses putting a little bit more focus on him, making his life more difficult. But I've been extremely happy with the way Dinwiddie's played. And the defensive jump over the last two weeks has really caught my eye. You can't ask more from him. And if you think that he can produce more, then I think that you're just asking way too much from this guy. But he has been tremendous, especially, you know, the, the defense has really picked up of late. And Spencer has been a part of that, especially with the first unit. And I think he's doing a better job, too, of finding a way to have an impact off ball or putting himself in a better position to impact the game, which is going to be crucial when Kyrie comes back. But, Jack, what's he getting, an A? Yeah, I'm getting a bit of an A. He has yeah. to get an A, and if, if it's anything but an A, then you are wrong. <laughs> well, thanks, Jack. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to go with <laughs> well, if I said an A+. Plus. No, um... no, no, I just said A-pluses don't exist in this perfect utopian world. It's an A or it's, you know, it's a B-plus. It would be an A-plus if he had a better start to the season. If he had, you know, had that better stretch over the first, I want to say maybe nine to ten games, I think an A-plus would be realistic here. But because of that little bit of a sour stretch where it felt like Nets Twitter wanted to trade him and it was all upset with him, you have to push him down to an A. Yeah, for context, I would only give A-pluses to Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and maybe a few others, Giannis, James Harden. And even then, I would probably be be wary of it but Spencer Dinwiddie is probably the closest to an A plus this season and it's again just the numbers and just this the start like you mentioned Nick but of late he has been playing A plus basketball yeah would you say he's the highest graded net at this quarter quarter breakdown yeah if we're nitpicking and we're giving it like out of 100 you would probably give him a a 92 and then you know Joe Harris maybe a a 90 or, or an 89 or whatever it might be I don't know how I'm a teacher I should know how the numbers work but, you know, I think if we're getting real nitpicky about it, Spencer Dinwiddie has been the best player in the Nets this season. Yeah, I'd probably give Spence a 96 and Joe Harris a 95. If we're being specific. <laughs> Don't ask me how I came up with that. With the holiday rush here, you have to be able to ship out orders quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders? Decide which shipping carrier to use or if you're getting the best rate. Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. I personally have relatives across the United States, and shipping their gifts can be annoying, but ShipStation makes it easy. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. 
That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed. The ancient Greeks didn't need a flex ball or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge to add gimmicky features to your razor. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. You know, I personally enjoy Harry's. Low price, close shave, keeps my beard edged up nice. You know, they're quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman. It's a German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century which means you're getting an incredibly high quality blade at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Send the subscriptions right to your house. And listeners to my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with lubricating strips and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade to cover your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. But uh, Garrett Temple is up next, and this is another guy who's getting a high grade. You know, not necessarily an amazing start the first couple games of the season. He was adjusting to this new team, but he's probably been one of the co-saviors over this last 10-game stretch where they've been winning games against bad teams. He has been incredible. He has been so, so important, especially in his minutes with the second unit. He's had some timely nights from three where we've really needed the three ball to drop and we can't find a bucket with the second unit. And Garen Temple is out there and he's hitting those three balls. He provides composure. He provides leadership. The numbers are good. He's, he's hitting, you know, over... 35, he's hitting all, over 36% from three, almost 37% from three. You know, his effective field goal percentage is, is above average at 55.1%. And, you know, he gets to the line a little bit. But defensively, the numbers that don't show up are, are probably the most important ones. You know, he doesn't necessarily get a heap of steals and such, doesn't get a heap of blocks. But he provides a, a heap of stability, a heap of leadership, great communication on the floor. And, you know, he's being, he's, I think his nickname is Pres this team because you know he wears the nice suits and he's so composed he's very eloquent he is the perfect vet for any team and he's been the perfect vet for this Brooklyn Nets team yeah and I think his off the court impact has been huge Jared Allen's talked about it Karis Levert's talked about it but on the court he's provided Kenny with this versatile wing that you can play at guard you can play at forward he's going to play defense and he's shown a real ability to knock down the three ball the last you know two weeks as well and you know he's only shooting 36 percent on the season close to 37 percent but over the last two weeks, it feels more like he's shooting 40% because he's getting so comfortable. And I believe Kenny told him to shoot even more. So that he has that green light, like we kind of talked about, Jack, on a previous show, it's given him more confidence at the age of 33. It seems like he's enjoying his role with the Brooklyn Nets. I think he is. I think he's in a perfect situation. And, you know, when you give it an opportunity and you take it and, and you, you run with it, you know, he's done that. He's relishing it. He's playing fantastic basketball for this team. He's been... You know, it, at times, probably leading the team in the minutes while a lot of the game recaps we look and say, wow, Garrett Temple, you know, I would hesitate to say, you know, with him and Spencer Dimwitty outside of Kyrie Irving at the start of the season and Carlos Levert, you know, he's been leading the team in minutes and it's because he has earned that opportunity with how he's been playing on both sides of the floor. Yeah, two-way ability is going to get you minutes in this game. But Jack, what would you grade him at? Uh, I want to give him an A, but it feels like it's too kind. I'll give him a B double plus. I'm inventing grades now. <laughs> <laughs> so is that like an 89 point, like nine? Like you're really yes. close to getting in the A range, but you're not quite there. Yeah, I think I, I'm considering what I know about Garrett Temple in his entire career and the performance he's having right now and stepping up in this role. I, I want to give him an A minus because I don't think Garrett Temple's had some crazy career where you could have been like, oh, he's going to come in and put up these numbers. I feel like he's actually maybe having a career year for himself. I'd have to dig a little bit deeper. And honestly, it feels like he's one of the best bargains of the offseason in terms of contracts. Yeah, he has. You know, he had some good years in Sacramento and, you know, my my other Nick that I do like to speak to about basketball would say he had some good years in Washington too. But, you know, he's playing some very, very, very good basketball for this Nets team. Now moving on to a young man, 21 years old with an afro, that's Jared Allen, who another guy started a little bit slow, but he's really turned it up and he's playing some of the best basketball of his career these last two weeks. He is playing the best basketball of his career. You know, I'm not sure if he's still in the, the league in field goal percentage, but... 
We, we might as well just put his name as Jared Dunk because he just dunked. <laughs> you know what's funny? I thought that same thing watching the game. I was like, how can I incorporate a joke where it'd be like Jared Dunk Allen? <laughs> yeah, yeah you got to get his birth certificate changed down at whatever offices there are in Brooklyn. I'm not sure of the, the geography down there. But in terms of what he's been doing on the court, he hasn't lost any of his defensive you know, prowess. If anything, he's gotten better there with how he's been defending guys in the perimeter. And, you know, there's been some key plays that you've put out. You know, one against Jason Tatum is is one that certainly sticks out. You know, his offensive game, I think he's just developed a, an amazing synergy with uh, one of his besties in, in Spencer Dinwiddie, even though they're like chalk and cheese when it comes to their personalities. On the court, they just feed off each other. He's in the right spots at the right times. He is rebounding. He's turned himself into one of the best rebounders in the league, especially when it comes to on the offensive boards. His confidence is is through the roof. And again, 21 years old, four years into his, you know, he's gonna he wants to earn that money, and I think he's gonna earn it. And you know, I think heading into before he was drafted, everyone was like, oh, does he really care about basketball? Does he really care about basketball? The way he's been playing, damn right, he cares about basketball. Yeah, and he cares about being a very good basketball player. And we're seeing the improvement, the improved intensity and aggression in terms of attacking the boards. That's what really sticks out. And I think defensively. The block numbers might be down, but it feels like he's been a more impactful defender. Instead of waiting and trying to get that block, he's making the rotation early and just kind of shutting down things. And, I mean, the analytic numbers, I don't know if you, like, follow NBA math or any of those other sites, Jack. They absolutely love Jared Allen. Yeah, I think he is a, a, an analytics darling because he just is doing the right things that just show up in those numbers in terms of he, he gets dunks. Dunks are the most fundamentally sound shot in basketball he makes blocks he makes the right reads he's become better in terms of in in the pick and roll as well he's by no means a perfect or finished product but what we're seeing right now is just a glimpse of what he could be and you know it's exciting times ahead for this 21 year old an interesting stat offensive rating in terms of who leads the nets jared allen deandre jordan both at 133 defensive rating 105 for jared allen 104 for deandre jordan obviously offensive defensive ratings you can only take so much of that because it's more of a team-based stat but like we mentioned the love for jared allen is real what's his letter grade uh a yep i'm gonna go with a here too i think like It'd be hard not to, you know, if you think back about earlier in the season, there was a little bit of a struggle, but it was also an adjustment for him playing with DeAndre, maybe a little bit more pressure and adjusting to some new teammates, teammates being Kyrie Irving, Garrett Temple, whoever it may be. But you can still see that high synergy with a Spencer Dewey and a Joe Harris. And the domination on the board has been something that's just kind of changed the dynamic for this Nets team, especially with Kyrie and Karras being out, lacking some of that offense, having another guy that can attack the boards and give you some extra possessions or some extra putbacks has really led to wins. His outstanding productivity of late makes up for those early season struggles. Yep. Struggles Like he's been playing A-plus basketball, whereas he was playing, you know, B-level, C-plus level basketball early. So it takes away from the fact that, you know, the early season struggles were, were there in the first place. He's been... Superb. And I even think personally in his worst game where he like fouled out super early, I think it was against Phoenix and Utah. A lot of those calls were just bad calls in my opinion. So I'm not going to really hold that much against Jared Allen. But moving on to the other center on the roster, DeAndre Jordan. He's had his ups, he's had his downs, but of late he's started to find some consistency. He has. He's found the the fountain of youth of sorts. Yes, he's 31 years old. He is a vet on this roster. You know, love watching those pregame handshakes, especially him with the fro, making sure that everything's on point there. You know, he's been a lot better of late. And I think that, you know, recency bias may come into play when we probably give his grades. But he's still a, a very good rebounder, a very good passer for a big man, especially out of the, the elbows and, and the high pick and rolls. And when he's just got the ball in his hands, he's a good dribble handoff guy. But... He has lapses, and those lapses can stick out and be incredibly frustrating. Thankfully, they've been a lot less noticeable of late and have been few and far between, but it's hard to sort of take away from the fact that they were there. You know, He has finally learned not to sit in the paint and get a defensive three seconds, which is hallelujah, and he was incredibly important tonight against the Hornets too, and he has timely buckets, and he's a, a good a good enough defensive presence as well. Sometimes he it looks like he's, he's searching for the block for the sake of getting the block. But also, I've, I've, I've liked the fact that he is having, maybe it's through the direction of the coaches, but he is switching out to guys in the perimeter. The, the Nets are developing a better defensive identity. And you need to give some credit to DeAndre Jordan with that. 
Yeah, I think I like the physicality he brings defensively. Like you mentioned, a lot of the issues he's had this season have been mental lapses. That's what's so upsetting, especially from a veteran that knows how to play the game. It's just not putting in enough effort, and that really discouraged Vans early on. Now he's trying to improve that area, and you're seeing him dominate the boards, and I think that was something we wanted to see in the offseason. We kind of talked about a lot. Like, he's a big human. There's a lot. There's not many guys in the league that can really match up with him in terms of a physical standpoint, especially coming off the bench. So now he's starting to take advantage of that a little bit more, attack the boards, catch some of those oops, and provide consistent basketball. And he's also been great off the court. You know, he's just a fun guy that brings some positive chemistry to the team. But what's his grade, Jack? I'm going to give him a B. Okay, I'm going to go B minus, close to a C plus, because I'm not going to forget. B minus. Some... I keep forgetting about them. I'm giving them a B minus. I'm going to okay. B minus. I, I would maybe lean towards a C plus just because I did not forget about some of those things early on where he just had some miserable minutes. And even sometimes in some of these recent games, you know, he'll play kind of bad for a couple minutes, then all of a sudden he'll turn it up. Where it's like if you can keep that level of effort throughout the whole game, it would have such an impact on the team. So C plus, really close to a B minus. If you ask me on the right day, it might be a B minus. Who that? Amont Shumpert has only been with the team for 10 games. Obviously not super high expectations. But what have you liked from Shump with the energy he's brought to the squad? Yeah, we don't need to speak about the stats and the numbers here for Amon Shump and Nick because what he has brought onto the court in terms of establishing a defensive identity for this team, he has been really important to that. Him and Nawaba, who we'll get to very soon as well. He has just provided a semblance of confidence and stability, communication. You know, you always see him yapping. He provides just great energy. He had four steals the other night, tonight against Charlotte. He is just a really important player when it comes to that bench unit. And he looks comfortable enough with the ball in his hands. You know, there'll be times where he can jack up a long two and it's just like, why would you do that? The three ball isn't necessarily falling. I don't necessarily really care about that because his role isn't to be an offensive force. I think the intangible and tangible energy that he brings to this team just oozes and is felt through throughout a lot of the players whenever they're out on the court. He is rarely, I think, other than the first game we saw him play, I think it was against Chicago, and I know you were a bit down on him, but since then, he has just fit in seamlessly. Yeah, I think early on you could feel the rust. He had some mental lapses. Now the energy level is so high, it just brings something to the team in that second unit where he's not dynamic offensively, his jump shot is inconsistent, but defensively, He's a disruptor. You know, sometimes he might not make an amazing defensive play, but he's putting up energy and effort, and it's just making the offense think one or two more times, which might throw off their set and lead to a turnover or a missed shot. And that's exactly what you want out of a guy who's going to probably end up playing 10 to 12 minutes. He's playing close to 20 now, but obviously with all the injuries, it's a little bit higher. But great for Shump, considering the role he's in. Considering the role he's in, I'm going to give him a B. Yeah, I like it. I could maybe even lean to a B plus because yeah. I, I love the energy in the defense. And I never expected him to come in and score points. Like, I wouldn't, wouldn't have been surprised if it took him, like, a couple games to knock down his first three-point shot because I know he's just not that type of offensive player. But the defense and the energy and also the positive vibe I think he's brought off the court has been something to keep an eye on, too. Yeah, he, he oozes, you know, just good energy. And I'm all about that. And next up is a guy who's probably going to get maybe our lowest grade of the season, and that's Yana Musa, who's had a real opportunity to shine and step up, and he's failed to do so. He has. He, uh, I guess, put plainly, Nick, and we've, we've repeated this on, on plenty of episodes, but I think it sums up his season overall. He's an NBA player. Yes. Yes. He's only 20 years old. I think he needs more reps in the G League to get that confidence to just find that, that, that semblance of what he is, what his identity is in this league. You know, I, I think the three ball has been poor. He is shooting incredibly poorly from the field. He he just doesn't do a lot well. When he has requisite energy plays, be it an offensive board or a diving for a loose ball or getting a steal or getting out in transition, that's when he looks good, a la Rodion's Kuritz from last year. But he's doing too much. He's playing above his pay grade. And he's not good enough to to do the things that he thinks he can, at least at this point of his career. Maybe he will get there. I really hope he does, and hopefully it is in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. But right now, he has been one of the Nets' poorer players who's played key rotation minutes. Yeah, he's definitely been one of the worst players on the team in my eyes, and I think Zach Lowe even mentioned he's just a guy that's like, 
too overconfident. Like he thinks that he's way better than he is, and maybe he can get there someday. But you mentioned he's not ready to play NBA minutes. I think he needs the experience. But physically, I just do not feel like he's ready. Consistently, when he drives to the rim, he's never attacking. He's always getting pushed back in some way or another. And it's not even like the other team is fouling him or creating contact. He's just not physically strong enough to deal with a seven-footer at the rim. And the three-point shot, you thought maybe, all right, this is something going into the season. Like, we know he's an okay shooter. He can maybe put up 35 36%. He can't even do that. When the team is healthy, this is a guy who's not going to get any minutes, and he might not even be on the team moving into 2020. What would be your grade on him? Um, D plus. I feel like that's even nice. I'm going D minus. I don't even know if that's a real grade because I feel like most teachers would give you an F at that point. But <laughs> I Honestly, I'll give it an F because it's been a failure. It's been a oh, failure nice. of a season because this is a guy that came in. Kenny talked about, hey, he's had a really nice camp. He's improved. But it's just been bad. Like everything with him has been bad. There's not really one thing we can be like, oh, wow, he's really done well in there. The best thing I could probably say about him is he's been – not completely terrible defensively, and he's been able to make a couple passes to keep the ball moving offensively when he's not being a ball stopper. Yeah, and I haven't hated his rebounding in, in terms of his energy levels. You know, I think you can't fault him for his endeavor, but I guess endeavor doesn't matter. It's about execution when you are playing in this high-caliber, high-pressure league. Yeah, he has been a, a, not an abject failure, but he has failed in, in many aspects this season, which is disappointing because we had high hopes for him. But again, very, very young, and hopefully he, he can still build a, himself a future in this league. All right, next up, Theo Pinson, another guy who's not had a good season. You know, some might say it's as bad as Musa, or some might say it's worse. What are you thinking? Uh, I think it would be equally Maybe if I change my Jana Musa to D minus, maybe I'll give a Theo Pinson a D plus because, uh, again, these are guys that are just playing two minutes. They're not NBA players yet. That's fine, and, and I get it. But at the end of the day, you're being asked to play it, and you, I think you need to know what is being asked of you. I think Theo shows a better strength. Theo has a better three ball when it hits. And Theo is better defensively. Even though Jana Musa has been okay defensively, he has good size about him. I think Theo is just smarter and I Theo's think, job is harder too it is. it is it is certainly and you know obviously you know he he provides his personality is infectious and and, and I think that that we all know that he's probably the king of the Brooklyn Nets dance meme but on the court he he hasn't been good you know and he's been been forced to play extra minutes like we sort of spoke about and you spoke about earlier two G League players are playing 15 sometimes more minutes a night against NBA players. And they're, they're some of the worst players in the league right now. They are. They're probably two of the worst players actually getting regular rotation minutes where they're playing essentially every night and they're playing more than 10 minutes. It's been rough. And the fact is that the Nets are still winning games with these two playing so bad and not just having the NBA level to play in this league yet. And Kenny still getting wins. Just, you know, just another notch for him. But I think I'm going to give Theo an F as well as Musa. What about you? Yeah, I'll go D minus because as a teacher, I don't want to, but make the kids dispirited and, and give them Fs. I want them to have some semblance of hope, even if it is false hope. But yeah, he has he hasn't been good. Yeah, I'm gonna just lay it out for the kids. I'm gonna be like, hey, you suck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yikes! Yikes! Uh, uh, I don't talking know about your fiance would be happy with uh, those teaching methods. <laughs> My kid better be able to ball. I'm just kidding. Joy, joy, let's I hope she doesn't listen to this one. But no, I'm uh, moving on to another kid. That's Nicholas Claxon, 20 years old. You know, it's really hard to give him a grade. I'd almost say we'd have to give him an incomplete because he just hasn't played enough. He hasn't played enough, but in terms of the moments that he has played, the overwhelm the general majority of them have been relatively good minutes in terms of the signs. And I think, you know, I've, I'm going to steal this point from some general NBA head. What you want to see from rookies and, and, and you know, unproven rookies is flashes. And if yep. you can at least see some flashes from them, then you know, okay, well, then we, we know what we can get out of this kid in the future. Nicholas Claxton has shown us some flashes, and I think that's enough. Yeah, I think he's shown flashes on both ends too, which is important. Not only offensively, but defensively. That one clip of, of Devin Booker kind of locking him up is not something you usually see from somebody his size. If I was giving him a grade on the season, I think I'd give him a solid B. You know, like we said, it was more so an incomplete. Yeah, I, I would say a C plus or a B. 
The other one is when he almost punched CJ McCollum in the face. <laughs> he was so damn excited. I love his personality. And again, I, I say this about the Brooklyn Nets team. He is a very swaggy, drippy kid. And he is a very handsome fellow. And I'm glad that he's on this Brooklyn Nets team. I know uh, a really astute you know, NBA draft guy, I think it was Cole Zwicker, said that he is, and I think it was based off the clip that you put out, he said that he is the best switching big out of the entire class. And to get him in the second round pick, high second round pick is a, is a bit of a steal. Especially when you already have one switchy big on the roster in Jared Allen. Yeah, you know, moving yeah. forward, when those two, two develop defensively, they could cause some major mayhem with the length they have. But up next, David Nwaba, a guy who has a giant wingspan, who's been inconsistent in terms of his minutes this season, but when he's played, he's brought some real hustle and energy. David Nwaba has a, new, a place in my heart. I put this out on Twitter. You know, Joe Harris is, has the overwhelming majority of it. But, you know, I guess I'm polygamist in my Nets love. And I'm a big, big fan of David Nwaba in terms of the defensive energy that we spoke about, Shumpert. You can control C and control V that one for him as well. But I think David Nwaba being a little bit younger, you know, he's, he's 27, Shumpert's 29. And, you know, the fact that David Nwaba's hitting some of his three balls, I think he's, you know, 50% or so on the season, 45% or so on the season. That's not going to sustain. But it's important because when we sort of compare him to, say, a player from last year, and Trevion Graham, you know, he's doing some nice things in Minnesota. I'm really happy for him. But Nawaba has, I think, increased athleticism. He provides a, an intangible element that I love when we talk about just general energy and spark and juice that you like to call it as well. David Nawaba has been really, really good for this team this season. And I hope he continues to get minutes. And I hope he's on this roster for the majority, if not all, of this season. My use of the word juice has really been down this season. I don't know if that has something to do with the Nets or what, but i got to bring that back, Jack. Thank bring you for that. Bring the juice, man. Bring out the juice. Get the OJ. Get that tropical ish going. Get the sunny feet. <laughs> you know, Jack. Uh, but like you said with Nawaba, the energy, the hustle. And I think the one thing that makes him a little bit more exciting than possibly an Amon Shumpert or a Trevion Graham from the past is there's some hope offensively. Not that he's going to be some amazing three-point shooter. If he was able to maintain... 34 or 36% from three would be really happy. But you like the ability for him to attack the rim, especially in transition, to get some of those buckets for the team. How would you grade him at in his limited stint this year? I'd give him a B plus. I, okay. think, that he, I think he deserves that grade in terms of it's hard enough when you are getting inconsistent minutes. But in the overwhelming majority, you know, I think I mentioned majority before, but the overwhelming majority of his minutes, he has been a positive on the floor. Yeah, I agree. I think I'd go B or B-plus here. You know, there was a couple bad games early on, but over this recent stretch, coming straight off, like, the ice-cold bench, too, where he wasn't playing games, he popped off there and gave the Nets some really good minutes, and they're not winning games over this last stretch without him. No, they certainly aren't. He's been incredibly important in, in some important games without our key stars. Now, this guy, he you almost forget about him and the expectations you had from going to the season and how bad he's been, and he has essentially not played, and that's already on Cruz. I don't know what there is to say about him, Nick, other than the fact that who it's knows? Weird. What it, 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 it's weird. It's a weird situation. It's something that we may not fully know and we may not, you know, ever find out. But, you know, I don't know what his future is in the league. There are just so many unanswered questions. And I think that I guess it relates to him in general. You know, whatever grade you want to give him, if you're basing it off expectation, it's probably an F. But it's incomplete based on the fact that he's only played 10 games and he's out of the rotation now. He's, you know, had some moments in the G League. He's getting some confidence there. Who knows what is going on with him mentally? Physically, he's obviously the same guy. Nothing has necessarily changed. But, you know, basketball uh, at the end of the day is an incredibly mental game, as are so many other pursuits. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, I think just for the fact the expectation for him going to the season was to be a regular rotation guy, potentially start or push, you know, one of the starters to the bench, whatever it may be, he's getting an F from me. You know, like he hasn't played the games, but he's obviously not doing enough in practice to earn minutes. And part of me feels like maybe there's more than just the legal issues. Maybe there was an issue with him and the coaching staff and his role, or he's not getting along with teammates, or I don't know what it is. Just something is strange about that situation. And like you said, it's something we might never know. It's something we might never know, and, you know, maybe we have to come to grips with that. But I'm hoping that... It's going to be the, one of those stories you'll find out, like, five years afterwards. Like, when you hear the random, like, oh, this is why X player was doing bad in this situation. You'll hear it on some random podcast. Yeah, who knows? And maybe, you, he, again, this is a guy in who's playing his second season of NBA basketball, and maybe he's like, 
100th overall professional game when it comes to basketball. Obviously, didn't play a lot in Barcelona, like we mentioned in, in a lot of last year's buzzes. But, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily willing to say that his career was over with the Brooklyn Nets, but it's teetering on a fine edge. We've seen so much from him last year in terms of flashes, not only in the role he played, but there was a potential to add more to his game as maybe a shooter or being that stretch four on this team. And just not to see the growth, it's really discouraging. But you have to remember, like you mentioned, Jack, it's only the second year in the NBA. He doesn't have a ton of basketball experience, so maybe he just benefit from the G League. And maybe in a year or two, he could be a solid contributor for this team again. But we have really no idea what's going to happen. Ellison and TLC, obviously they haven't played for the Nets other than garbage time, so we're not going to talk about them. But Coach Atkinson, how would you grade him on the season so far? I would grade Kenny a, a solid B+. Plus. You know, I think the, the, the Nets team overall, I think we've given out a lot of B-pluses to the players. I think Coach Kenny is reflective of that. You know, I don't think he's necessarily found his the, the team's identity when Kyrie Irving is out there yet, and I think a lot of the responsibility does go to him. A lot of it obviously does go to Kyrie too. But in terms of the way he's been able to rally this team, you know, establish the defensive identity after being pretty pitiful on that end of the floor, and also just develop some of these guys. You know, find some moments from the Waba. Find some, and, and you know, Garrett Temple playing some invigorated basketball. Toyin Prince making improvements. Uh, Joe Harris obviously continuing to grow as a player as well. And Spencer Dimwitty. You know, a lot of the guys that we spoke about here and in the podcast have made improvements as players. And, you know, that's not to say that these are all young guys. Some of them are in their 7th and 8th and, and ninth and 10th seasons. So I think that re that's reflective of Coach Kenny and the coaching staff. So solid B+. Plus. Yeah, I think if you just looked early on when they were struggling, a lot of the things would be like, oh, Kenny could be doing a better job. But the fact is, when Kyrie and Karras went down, he's been coaching at an extremely high level. Yeah, some of the rotations are still annoying where you're going straight bench unit instead of staggering the starters. That still frustrates me on a regular basis. But okay. the fact is, he's getting a lot of the guys, like you said. You know, he's taking Dewey to a new level. Joe Harris, Torian Prince, Jared yeah. Allen, even Nawaba and Shumpert are playing really well. Even Garrett Temple, is, you know, he's getting the best yeah. out of him. Yep, yep. So it has to be a B plus. And you could even get borderline A minus because, like, Think about this. If most teams in the NBA lost their two best players, or now you can make an argument, maybe Spencer's in that second best player and Karras is third, whatever, two out of three of their best players out for an extended period of time, most teams would be happy to go 500. The Nets have, I think, been like seven and three over the last 10, if not better. Yeah, well, you look at what's going on in, in Golden State, and obviously they're going through an extreme version of what the Brooklyn Nets have gone through with, you know, Mystic Seven, Curry, and, and Clay Thompson. But two of the three best players in, in Curry and Karras. You know, we've been competitive, albeit in a, in a you know, in terms of the, the lesser parts. The instant conference has gotten better. But yeah, I'm, I'm in really, really impressed with what Coach Kenny has done so far. I, 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 he's an incredibly intelligent guy. Some of his out-of-timeout plays, you know, the, the, the memes with the, the no D on Dennis Scott, no 3D, and whatever, you, whatever he wanted to explain it and refer to as was, was a lot of fun. And you know, I think he's been a really good coach this season. And, you know, when you're comparing him to a lot of others, you know, he's established an identity and a culture and he's remained true to that. And he's developing, he's finding ways to get better as a coach. And again, the real test is going to come when Kyrie, Karras are back and even to uh, further down the line when KD is, is suiting up. Do you think actually incorporating KD might be the easiest facet compared to bringing the other guys because he's such an all-world player where no matter what you do with Kevin Durant, it's essentially going to work? Oh, Kevin Durant, you can put him on any team and they're going to make the playoffs. You can put him in any team and, you know, they couldn't Nyon be a top four team in the NBA, the whatever conference they're in. Um, obviously, it's the, the capacity of what he does come back to. But yeah, I think it's going to be much tougher and we're going to see what he really has as a coach and, and in his toolbox when Kyrie and Karras are back. Now, Jack, what do you think is going to be the biggest change in terms of the next quarter of the season when we do another recap at the halfway point? Do you think we'll see a big change offensively, defensively, or the biggest change is just going to be Kyrie and Karras coming back, and we can't really make any predictions until we see that? Yeah, I think it's hard to forecast, Nick. I think offensively, when we had Kyrie out there, you know, we were top 10, top 7, even top 5 at times offensively, and there were a lot of people who were naysayers towards it, but he makes you a really, really good offensive team. Now we've seen confidence within this team and we've obviously taken steps back in his absence. 
but there's been a defensive identity of Savage. I think the biggest thing will be incorporating those guys into how we're going to be offensively. What is the new identity of this team? Uh, I think defensively, we know what it is. Hopefully, Kyrie buys into that too, continues to show effort in terms of what we've seen. I, I, I've mentioned on pods before in recaps, I like when he fights through those screens. So it, it is hard to forecast. I think the, the biggest thing is we'll be able to have a fuller picture and you know it'll be a lot easier to assess when at least one of them are back in, in Kyrie and Karras, but when both of them are back too. Now, Jack, this is kind of a random question in terms of the rotation. We've seen this a lot over the last couple of weeks, especially with the Nets having so much success. You know, keeping the starting lineup except swapping, you know, Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie and then rolling with Dinwiddie and Levert off the bench and giving yourself, you know, essentially a super, super bench unit having two fringe all-star players. Is this something you'd like to see or do you think you have to start one of Spencer or Karras? I, I saw this. I think it was next when I woke up and scrolling in Nets Daily and, and other people. And I think we've spoken about it. I don't hate it. I would, I would like to see Coach Kenny experiment with a few things. And obviously it depends. And you've only got a certain leeway to experiment with certain things. But I think you want your best and hope. And as long as the minutes are staggered enough in terms of the fact that you have your best players out there and Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert and Kyrie Irving are still leading the team in minutes, then cool. I think Kyrie does work best when the ball is in his hands and he has shooters and the, the, the floor is spread for him. Spencer Dinwiddie is a capable enough three-point shooter. When he has been out there you know, with, with Kyrie, sometimes you need that extra ball handler. You need another guy who can make plays. I would personally still keep Spencer out there and bring Karras off the bench. That's just a personal standpoint. And that's just me right now. I'm basing it purely off speculation in terms of what I would like to see. Until I start to see some certain things, I think you need to have, I would prefer to have two ball handlers, two creators, two guys who can drive to the basket at a really capable level. But I wouldn't hate it either. You know, I, I think it's a, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think the biggest thing in terms of determining the lineups, especially when they first come back, it's just going to be like, who has the better chemistry? Who has the better synergy? I know people have brought up Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie having some nice, you know, stats together on the court in terms of net rating. But all the sample sizes we've seen in this point of the season have been extremely small because the team essentially only played 10 to 12 games fully healthy. Yeah, you, you can't really grade something. It's like we've sort of been grading today. All those sort of things are just incomplete. So plenty of stuff still to happen with this Brooklyn Nets team, even though they've been going well as of late at this quarter mark. And we most likely will see a roster change by the next time we do this. Maybe a trade, maybe not. But Wilson Chandler should be back soon coming off that suspension. But Jack, any other final thoughts you want to get in for our quarter breakdown? Happy with where the Nets are at, Nick. You know, obviously things could be a little bit better, but, you know, I'm relatively satisfied. And, you know, if I'm relatively satisfied with different aspects of my life, I would be pretty happy too. Yeah, I think it's fair considering the injuries they've had. You know, if they were fully healthy in 12 and 10, I'd probably be maybe a little annoyed. But the fact is they've dealt with so many of these injuries and to be at this point and set themselves in a nice position for the, the next three-fourths of the season and potential to land a solid playoff seed, I'm okay with it. Is there wins I'd like back, you know, or losses I'd like back? Maybe that one against Detroit, that one against Memphis. But other than that, I think you're okay with what happened with the Nets so far. And there's plenty of room for improvement. And the biggest thing is we're yet to see anything close as their best basketball. Not yet. And that's a good thing. All right, Jack, that wraps it up. Always a pleasure talking hoops with you. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and bluewirepods.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code balance10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.